0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to The Bad Broadcast. I'm your host, Maddie Murphy. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of The Bad Broadcast. Happy Monday. I feel like... You know, pardon the expression, but I feel like the vibes were absolutely on this week. Last week was not it for me. Not last episode, just like the last calendar week. Because you know when you go out with friends and you're having an absolutely lovely time and everybody's laughing, your jokes are hitting, and you're just thinking to yourself, wow, I am so happy to be here with all of these people and with all of these friends. And then you go home and you go to sleep and you wake up and you remember that you had a good night and absolutely nothing negative happened. But immediately you feel like everybody you were with has been talking about how much they hate you for the last eight hours, and about how stupid and annoying you are, and how you ruined everybody's lives forever. And then you cry for a little bit and you vow to never do anything social ever again. Cool, cool, cool. So that was kind of the overall theme of last week for me. So after decompressing... From that and starting a new week, I'm feeling better. I am coming at you live from my parents' spare bedroom this week. I've done this before. Some of you know that I stay here at their house while they're out of town because I have a special needs brother who lives here with them, who's just, again, the greatest person to ever live. And I stay here while they're gone. So I've got a pretty fancy setup. Uh, If you're watching on video, you can probably see the lamps that I had to move around. Anyway, let's chat. So probably already said this, but my name is Maddie Murphy. This is The Bad Broadcast. And on the agenda today, we've got our weekly love hates, of course. We also have, I've got a lot of thoughts about Outer Banks. Okay. I warned you guys on my Instagram this last week that I would be talking about Outer Banks because you don't watch a show like Outer Banks and not have enough thoughts to, I could probably start a new podcast just about Outer Banks and do like 25 full length episodes because I just, I have some thoughts. I have a rundown, a recap, a critical analysis, maybe that sounds much smarter than it will actually be. But um, then we're going to close out the episode with one of my favorite segments, which is the court of petty arguments. So for the first like eight months or so of the podcast, I had a whole list of topics that I really wanted to cover. And I totally fell in love with talking about a lot of them, especially the submitted stories. And then I wanted to continue to do those same topics periodically, but I got worried that I needed to do a brand new topic every week. Anyway, I didn't know what to do. So I left it up to you guys, put a poll up, and the results were overwhelmingly that you guys liked revisiting topics. In a distant second was that you guys had no preference. So if the repeat episodes or the repeat topics bother you, take it up Take it up with every everybody who voted. It's not my fault. That's an easy way to, <laughs> to <laughs> absolve myself. Anyway, So I will definitely still do new topics and also more repeat topics. So we'll be able to do vagina stories, spooky stories, bad dates. Wow. I mean, that's the holy trinity right there. All right. So let's begin with our weekly loves. Oh, actually, I lied. I got, I have one more thing to say. So you guys, I I need you to, I need you to listen up real quick because every now and again, I get a message from somebody that like, their podcast app isn't working or that their phone is like crashing or something. And I don't, I don't know how else to tell you guys this, except I don't, I can't do anything. I can't do anything if your phone isn't working. So if there's a problem on our end, we fix it really quickly. But if it's on Apple's end or like on your phone, somebody like messaged me once and they were like, my phone keeps turning off. When I open podcasts, I was like, I don't know what to do. You're going to need to call Tim Cook for that one because I cannot assist. So if there is a problem on our end, like last week, we had to go in and edit the music. I will let you guys know on my Instagram story with all of the details. Sometimes it says episode unavailable for a little bit. But if you're having problems with your podcast app, I am sorry. I wish I could help you. I wish I could give you my phone. But if you're having problems with Apple, try Spotify. That's my only advice. I wish I had more. I wish I had more info. but. If there's ever something weird going on with the podcast on our end, I will let you guys know. Because sometimes like, I get messages and they're like, hey, on your end, it's doing this, this, and this. But it's not usually on our end. And if it is, I tell you guys. So I'm sorry I don't know more about it. I'm not more help. I mean, honestly, every time I plug in headphones correctly, I feel like I deserve a Nobel Peace Prize So I'm just, I'm not the best person to come to with technological advice. But anyway, let's get into our weekly love hates. Oh my gosh, my love this week. I'm so excited to tell you guys. So like a year ago, honestly, probably more than a year ago, we found really good airfare to Paris and it was one way. And I live in Salt Lake City. Nothing ever flies out of Salt Lake City direct, like literally never. So I found this airfare. It was $400 one way nonstop from Salt Lake to Paris, which was wild. I had never seen anything that cheap. So I bought them and I've just been waiting like for the last year for either that airfare to come back so I could buy our flights home or airfare from another place so that we could go to another country and then fly home from there. But the only airfare I could find was like $2,500 round or one way from Paris to Utah, or it was like on an airline that was like maybe made up and it was branded like a printout on Etsy. Like I could not figure out what these airlines were. So I was up late one night and my wheels were turning. And I was like, you know what? Let me just, let me just hop on here and look at some airfare. I get online and I see that there is a nonstop round trip flight on Delta from Salt Lake to Amsterdam. Again, Salt Lake, nothing ever has anything direct. So I call, I I call Delta Delta, you know, Delta usually gets it right. They don't have a lot of hiccups. So I called Delta and I say, hey, I bought these tickets to Paris last year. I want to I get a Delta credit instead because, you know, we don't want to go on this trip anymore. So they give me the Delta credit. I get on. So we paid $800. Well, we paid that twice, technically counting last year's, but we spent that last year. Anyway, not an important detail, but we got round trip tickets from Salt Lake to Amsterdam for this fall. So we canceled our Paris trip and now we're going to Amsterdam and we both feel so much better about it. We actually have a flight home. It's direct. So, I can't wait for that. That was a big big win this week. We're both very excited. Obviously, this is barring any type of lockdown or shutdown, Matt and I are both fully vaccinated. We would only go if it was safe and allowed. I just before anybody like freaks out. Obviously, if we are not supposed to go, we won't go. But hopefully we can. All right, the second thing I loved this week New Billie Eilish music, her new single, Happier Than Ever. Oh my gosh, I love it so much. I scream sing it in my car every chance I get because nothing hits like a breakup song when you've been happily married for like five and a half years. There's something about it, though. There's something about pretending you are an angsty 14 year old when you're actually just a very, you know, vanilla married lady in her late twenties. I really like Billie Eilish. I mean, I, yeah, again, I've always been kind of lukewarm on her, but she just, I don't know. I find her very charming. I really like her a lot. All right. And the third thing I love this week. Okay. So I asked you guys what you all do for like creative block or writer's block, because I get this all the time. Sometimes I'm like, is my, what's going on? Like what's going on? My brain hasn't thought of anything new in like three and a half months. So I asked you guys what you do for writer's bro- brock, block or when you're in a creative rut. And I found something that really worked for me. So sometimes when I think about my brain, I think of it like a, a freeway system. Like everything just is going where it needs to go. Everything has kind of its routine. I am a routine person. I'm a rewatcher of shows. I like things that I know exactly what the outcome is gonna be because it kind of like regulates how I feel. Like, I know when I watch a TV show that I've seen before, I know exactly how it's gonna make me feel. So, I do that a lot. But I think because I do that a lot, I get stuck in like these, you know, these patterns, these tracks, because I just have been doing the same thing over and over again. So, okay, and maybe this is like not a hot take for anybody who already does this, but I made myself sit down and listen to all new music or all new podcasts. And it was weird because I told Matt, it felt like this low risk way to have a new experience. And it was like connecting new wires in my brain. I felt like the little, the little cars on my freeways in my brain were like getting off at new exits. And it was just opening up all of these new thoughts. And that really helped me. So if you're like me, and you've been listening to the same song since you were a sophomore in high school, Like I still have Laffy Taffy by D4L on my top Spotify wrapped or whatever it is. That's been on there for like the last six years. So if you're like me and you get stuck in those, new music, new podcasts, putting new experiences in, because I don't want to like do anything new. Like I don't want to like go somewhere new or like try a new food. That's risky. That is a risk. I am not willing to take. A new song, risk zero. The risk is so low. There's no chance that you're going to die when you do it. You know, and people are like, yeah, you just gotta like go running or like go skydiving or like go on a drive. I'm like, yeah, but I could die doing literally all of those things. I don't want that. So I listen to new music because, you know, I'm not a risk taker. All right, those were my loves for the week. And now let's talk about my hates. Okay, my first hate, I just, it's not normal how much this fills me with rage. So I was on my Instagram page and I was trying to DM somebody back and this notification kept coming up like that I was doing too many things. On Instagram, it was like we limit the amount of actions you can take, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense, anyways. Because they got me all addicted to it, and now it's limited. That seems unfair. Beside the point, but it told me that I had like some error, so I deleted deleted the app, restarted all that, whatever. Downloaded the app again, and then I have been narrowly avoiding this for probably years. But on my bottom bar of my Instagram, where it's like you can go to your home page or your profile or you search my little button has never changed from looking at my likes from there. So it's like a little heart on the bottom and I can click on that and see new likes and comments. Well, when I restarted my phone and downloaded the app, I now have the shopping tab there. I'm not kidding. When I say I nearly drove to Palo Alto to the Instagram headquarters, I'm just assuming that's where they are, to speak to the manager. I, it is the most obnoxious user experience of all time. Like every time I click it, I go to a shopping page. Who has literally ever purchased anything off of Instagram shop ever? If I see something on Instagram, I'm going to go to their website or I'm going to going to go to their profile and click on their link and buy it through that. I don't even like when I click on a link in Instagram and it pulls up another page over it. Like I'm not going to order something on Instagram. It just it makes me so angry. The second thing I hated this week. All right, so we went and saw a movie. I've been waiting for so long for movies to open back up. I love the movie going experience. I love it. I love the ritual of it. I get there 15 minutes early. I want my popcorn and my milk duds, maybe a Kit Kat. I might do a Kit Kat, a large Diet Coke, and then usually i get a water because health. So I love the movie going experience. And we haven't been able to go to movies in so long. So this new movie came out, okay? It's an A24 production and it's called The Green Knight. Matt, is an A24 guy. He loves all A24. He's just, I don't know. He has a more advanced brain than I do. So he loves A24. We've been waiting for this. It's got Dev Patel, who I'm in love with. It was so scary. Okay. If you saw it and you liked it, I'm proud of you. But you're talking to a girl who, you know, the movie Up is a lot for me. Charles Muntz, kind of a dark character. Okay. So when I saw The Green Knight and there were corpses and heads being chopped off, and scary tree monsters. It just, it wasn't for me. And I made Matt leave. I leave a lot of movies. I'm not proud of it, but I just don't want to waste the time. Like, if it doesn't hook me in the first hour, I'm probably not going to stay. An hour is a long time to give to a movie. Like, I feel like that's a reasonable expectation. Anyway, I didn't like it. Matt's going to go again without me. I I just... I don't know. I used to really pride myself in having like really good taste. I've talked about this before, you know, my former pick me girl energy. I just, I wanted everybody to think I had like really cool taste in movies and really cool taste in music. And I would turn my nose up at anybody who had average taste. And now I just want to celebrate average taste. I talked to somebody the other day. Their favorite movie was Everest. Everest. It's like the most average movie that you could ever. Possibly imagine Everest, and now I kind of respect that. I I like to think that I can gauge how good a movie is. You know, I like some A twenty four movies. I like some ninety nine percenters on Rotten Tomatoes, but I am not too good for like New Year's Eve. For he's just not that into you. For those collaborative movies that are just, I mean, that are frankly kind of bad. I'm not too good for that anymore. Okay, I'm glad I've made that distinction because. That brings us to our next topic. You guys know what this is. I mean, I I technically put it on my hate list. This is number three, but I'm trying to let go of my ego with it because I just, I get this arrogance about it. Like I'm watching Outer Banks, ironically, and all of you are taking it seriously. So I am obviously the intellectual here, but you know what? I can't lie. I kind of enjoyed it. Okay. I really did. And because I went into it as a hate watch I had a lot of thoughts. So let me set the scene for you. If you are like really attached to not having a spoiler about Outer Banks, now is probably the time to skip ahead or just join us next week because I'm going to tell every single detail and every thought I had about it. So first, let me set the scene. First of all, it takes place in Outer Banks, North Carolina, which just in itself feels like a Roxy commercial. Like, you know that they just wanted an excuse to have really hot tan kids because you can't set a movie in like Ohio where the kids are really hot. So they it's in Outer Banks. okay? there's two groups of people that are at war. I mean, and they stay at war till they're adults. The the names don't feel correct. But I mean, I guess they're they're fine because they're in this TV show. But the poor kids, like the poor side of the island is called Pogues. And then the rich half are called the Kooks. See, both of those just, they don't, they don't feel right, but that's what they are. So we have this, like, this Montague Capulet thing going on. It's almost as refined as Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so we have this group of friends. First, we've got John B. Why is his name John B? We don't know. It's not just John and it's not JB. It is John B. John B is our protagonist. Okay. He's kind of our Romeo. He's like our pretty boy with dead parents. Who's like kind of lovesick. That's, that's John B. We've got his best friend, JJ, otherwise known as our Mercutio figure. Okay. He's hot, probably bisexual and has substance abuse issues and daddy issues. My kind of guy. We've got JJ. We've got Pope, who is like the brain. You know, there's always like the brainy guy who like hacks in to the system or whatever. We then have Sarah, who is John B's girlfriend, who's a kook. So she's rich, you know, but uh, she's like kind of left herself behind and become a P4L. That's Pope for life. And her and John B are together. Okay. Then we've got Kiara. Key, I think is what they call her. Her whole personality trait is that she whines and pretends that she's poor. We've got Rafe, who is Sarah's, you know, the rich girl, her little brother, who is a bonafide sociopath that is actually part of the plot. He is, he has no feelings and he likes killing people. And then we've got Topper. As you can tell by his name, he's just the rich ex-boyfriend of Sarah. So season one basically revolves around this treasure hunt. Outer Banks is kind of like if Scooby-Doo and the OC and Gossip Girl all became one show, but with more murder and more plot holes. (laughs) So let's do a little recap on how season one ended. So basically all of season one revolves around trying to find this gold that John B's dad died trying to find. And it then comes to light that Sarah's dad actually was the one who killed John B's dad. This is messy, you know, because John B. and Sarah are in love. So then Ward becomes our villain in, like, the very last episode of season one. He knows about the gold. He's trying to take it from all the pogues. So the season ends with them on a tarmac, like like with a plane, because the plane is being flown to the Bahamas with all of the gold, and John B. and Ward are going at it, and a cop shows up to arrest them, and then Rafe, the sociopath brother, shows up out of nowhere and kills the cop. Later that night, John B. and Sarah are like lost at sea or so everybody thinks, but really they're alive and they're in the Bahamas. So that's where we open up season two. The gold is has been flown to the Bahamas. John B. and Sarah made their way there. They're trying to find the gold. Everybody in the Outer Banks thinks that John B. killed the cop, but really it was Rafe, the sociopath. And Ward is trying to do this whole cover up for his son and trying to frame John B., and all the pogues are trying to clear John B's name. So that is kind of a rough rough summary of where we are. This episode of The Bad Broadcast is brought to you by Brightbox. You know when you want to send someone a little pick-me-up or maybe a get-well-soon or congratulations, maybe they just had a baby, maybe they graduated something, but you don't quite know what to send them, let me introduce you to Brightbox. Brightbox is completely customized happy mail and it is the easiest way to just brighten somebody's day. You just hop on their website. They have a ton of variety and themes and you pick out a box and then you send it on its way. Brightbox is also not a subscription. So you can just get on and send one anytime you feel like it. Brightbox's purpose as a company is really just to help the people in your life feel loved recognized, and important. So my listeners have a very special offer. You can get a free add-on in your box with the code BAD. So when you get to the add-on page, you'll be able to select one. And on top of that, there's also an exclusive Bad Broadcast sticker on the Brightbox website right now. It's a Funny for a Girl sticker. We designed it specifically for them and you can't get it anywhere else. So Brightbox just makes thoughtfulness so easy. It's affordable and it offers free shipping. Most packages are only 5 $10, and $15. So again, my listeners can get a free add-on and also a free Bad Broadcast sticker. You have to make sure you select it on the add-on, but you can get on and you can use the code Bad, all lowercase, when you go to brightboxes.shop/slash bad. Send some sunshine today with Brightbox. In a study by Esquire, 54% of women said they'd rather be hit by a car than considered fat. If I'm being honest, I've been those women. So for me, this isn't just a podcast. It's personal. I'm Danielle Robey, TV host and journalist. And years of celebrity interviewing taught me that beauty isn't about what you look like. It's about who you become. Each week, I'm having thought-provoking conversations, digging into the stories of people who put a new spin on pretty. From entrepreneurs and authors to politicians and celebrities, no topic is off limits. So join me every Thursday for a new episode to feel pretty inspired, pretty seen. And best of all, pretty smart. So we open up the second season in Nassau, like I said. And I think it's important to point out what Sarah was wearing for supposedly weeks on end and through a shipwreck because she has denim cutoffs on and a crochet crop top. She also looks amazing. There's no way she looks like that after after all of that but the denim shorts are what really gets me because you cannot tell me that she would still be alive after experiencing that level of chafing. She probably chafed right through to the femoral artery, probably hit bone. Okay. So they're hanging out at a resort in Nassau. Somehow they're international fugitives trying to steal $500 million of gold. They're still able to sneak into a five-star resort and eat and sleep on the beach and steal a phone. Also, I want to talk about the gold for a second because, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you stumble upon hundreds of millions of dollars of gold, I don't think they just let you keep it. I don't think you can take 700 gold bars to Bank of America and just deposit them in a savings account. I'm pretty sure the police take it or it goes to a museum or something. Anyway, so Sarah and John B are just bopping around Nassau. Okay. And the people who smuggled them there on this little boat. You know, they're kind of like the the piratey type. And the only way we know that they're bad guys is because the rioters gave them Jamaican accents and had them spin knives. That's our context clues that they're bad guys. So they find out that John B and Sarah are after the gold and they're like, let's make a deal. We'll get you back. Let's split the gold. So they make their way back to Outer Banks and chaos ensues. First of all, I am really, really trying to figure out what age group... Outer Banks is for because they deal with some seriously adult themes like murder and drugs and digging up graves, and they all do it to like a 1975 album, like they actually dig up a dead body and they're wearing like a button up from Pacsun with a bandana on it. I, I can't, I can't seem to figure it out. They also have to pick and choose what technology works and what doesn't because there would be no plot if there were just working phones everywhere and people could just text each other and like send each other Marco Polos. So they have to make it very specific that sometimes that technology isn't good enough. Like there's this scene where they need like night vision goggles and they don't get any from the 21st century. They get like an army relic because then the footage is lost and then the plot has to continue because they couldn't solve it. So the hunt for the gold continues and we get another very confusing trope that does not make sense in this era. We get like an old ghostly woman who's looking for a big iron key. Okay. I just want to put this, this out there, that the lady who plays this woman is the principal in Santa Claus 2, which also happens to be my favorite Christmas movie. I digress. So this woman needs like an iron key. Like there is anything in the year twenty twenty one that is only accessible by iron key. This old woman also wears like bonnets and lace, and it just feels very weird to be included in the same episode as teenagers like talking about going to McDonald's. It just it doesn't feel like they exist in the same timeline. Is all I'm saying. So now we've got a national treasure esque map because. They've got the gold, but then they need the key, but then the key leads to this solid gold cross and nothing just has an answer. There's nothing that's like, hey, go here and here's the gold. Like, you know, National Treasure, when it's like, go to this church and hit this wall and then go to this tomb and then light the way. And that's exactly how this feels. I should have included National Treasure when I was naming things that it was like. But while we're hunting for the gold, we're also seeing the unraveling, I guess you could say, of Rafe, who is Sarah's brother. First of all, he does cocaine in his bedroom. That's not a joke. And his mom walks in and acts like he's just been playing Call of Duty too long. She's like, I thought we talked about this, Rafe. He's literally just snorting a line right in front of her. Like they're trying to make him this really nefarious villain, but it's hard to take him seriously because he does look exactly like Steve from Blue's Clues. So it's hard to believe that this dude is a sociopath. He actually wears like coral polos. So Rafe is like trying to kill his sister. He's trying to kill literally everybody. He actually says that multiple times. Like they're really hammering home the sociopath thing. He doesn't feel bad about killing the cop and he doesn't feel bad about framing John B for it. So when John B and Sarah get back from Nassau, everybody thinks that he killed the cop because that's what Rafe told everybody. And John B got lost at sea. So John B goes to prison and his friends decide that they're just gonna break him out. And the way they talk about breaking him out of jail, it's like they're just planning a trip to mini golf. They just say, hey, why don't you show up here? I'll be there with the car. You hop in. We'll be fine. As if escaping prison is just something you do when you're bored. So they set up this elaborate scheme, which obviously doesn't work. And then they talk a little bit more about like weed and dry humping each other. And finally, John B is exonerated. It lasts like three days. And I listened to enough true crime to know that the justice system does not work that quickly. Okay. There's no way that he's just in and out, but whatever, I'll go along with it if I have to. So now that John B is out, he is determined to make sure that Ward and Rafe are put behind bars. They really downplay the amount of emotional turmoil that a person would go through if this was actually their life. The majority of these characters have been responsible for at least one person's death. They've also witnessed deaths and they've dug up bodies. And you're telling me that they just like hang out in hammocks when they're done? I mean, truly, the the season ends and they're fugitives on the run and they wash up on an island like as though there's an island off the coast of North Carolina that hasn't been discovered yet. Like they're acting like they're in the middle of the Indian Ocean. So they wash up on some island and they're just like laughing and having a good time. Like they don't even need food or fresh water or warmth or clothing. And they're like, bro, should we just name this Pogland?" And then they're like, yeah, should we go rip those gnarly waves? And then they go rip gnarly waves after being present for like several murders and heists and embezzlements and also faked deaths. Like everyone who died actually faked their death. I think it's pretty remarkable to even know one person who faked their death. And there's like four or five in this entire series. So basically that's where we left off. Nothing has been resolved. I mean, they can't resolve anything or the series would not be able to continue. I'm guessing it's going to be another four seasons of them in high school ripping gnarly waves and going to keggers while also being witnesses to like international larceny and murder and watching their peers do blow in their bedroom. So there's kind of my overarching thoughts about Outer Banks. Uh, Would love to know what you think about it. Basically, did I like it? Mm, Yes, I did. (laughs) I like to think that I liked it in like a self-aware way. Like I get it. It's not good. Did I slightly enjoy seeing JJ on a motorcycle with a toothpick in his mouth? What can I say? I am who I am. There are my thoughts on Outer Banks. Now we're going to end with our final segment which is The Court of Petty Arguments. This is a justice system that moves very quickly. If you haven't been here for a Court of Petty Arguments before, basically I turn into a judge and I make rulings on petty arguments that you guys have been having with your spouse or maybe your parents, your friends. I don't know, but I decide. And then that is written into law. I don't really weigh in on anything serious. Every now and again, I do. I just don't feel that I'm qualified to talk about that stuff. But if you're talking about the argument between sleeping with a top sheet or no top sheet, that I have the power to settle. So let the Court of Petty Arguments begin with our first entry. They say, Judge Maddie, here's the deal. Me and my husband argue about this all the time, and I'm always so interested in other people's responses. If your spouse got sentenced to a lifetime in prison, whether they committed the crime or not, would you divorce them and try to find love with someone else? Hmm. Prison? I don't know. Probably not. Here's the thing. If Matt leaves me or dies or goes to prison, I think I'm going to take a few years and live on a dairy farm. So if he went to prison, I would just be like, listen, I'm moving to the Scottish countryside and I'm buying a cow. I will come visit you when I can. But also if he didn't do it, I would probably like try and help him. Like I'd put a little bit of effort into getting him out of prison, but if he was actually like an ax murderer, I would definitely divorce them and move on. Isn't that crazy when you learn about people who like build relationships while they're in prison with somebody who's not in prison? That happened to Ted Bundy. He literally got a girlfriend while he was in prison. Matt would probably have to go that direction. If he committed a crime, I'm leaving him. I'm moving to Scotland. Next up, she says, dear Judge Maddie, I told my husband that I wanted toast. He says, okay. And he goes to the kitchen and comes back and hands me a piece of toasted bread. Nothing on it. Just crunchy bread. I asked him where the butter was and he said, I didn't ask for buttered toast, just toast. I think it's implied that toast always has butter. All right. So I think if you have been here for any amount of time, you probably know that I eat butter on everything. So yes, I obviously think it's implied that butter goes on toast. If somebody brought me a naked piece of toast, I would sue. This this is a true story. Okay. So my sister-in-law was pregnant and she asked my brother, her husband, to make her some toast. So my brother made her some toast. He toasted the bread and he put jam on it. He just put the jam right on, just right on top of the toasted bread. She took a bite of the toast and she looked at him and she said, is there no butter on this? And he said, yeah, there's only jam on it she immediately projectile vomited. That is 100% serious. I think that illustrates perfectly how I feel about toast that isn't buttered. Even if it has jam on it, there should be a thin layer of butter always. Okay. Next up, she says, Dear Judge Maddie, biggest fight of our marriage, when you kill a cockroach, do you dispose of it by flushing it down the toilet or throwing it in the trash? Obviously, you flush it down the toilet. Why would anybody? I'm pretty sure that cockroaches don't die. Am I wrong in thinking that? I think that there is scientific proof that they can survive like a nuclear holocaust. So, yeah, I'm not going to put them in the trash. They're going to reanimate and they're going to be running around again. It's going in the sewer. I'm not one of those people that's like, "Mm, leave it alive. It's a living thing. Mm, Is it though? It's not really. I mean, we don't really need that cockroach for our ecosystem. Like we'll be fine without it. All right. Next up. She says, hi, Maddie. I love you and your podcast. Thanks. I recently found it and I've been binging. Sometimes when you guys tell me you've been binging the podcast, I'm always like, I just want to apologize that you've been listening to my voice so frequently for so many minutes. All right. She goes on. So please help with this petty argument my boyfriend and I have been having. He insists that not only is it completely okay to pee in a pool, but that everyone does it. I will say he is a triathlete and has long workouts in the pool. So I can look past peeing in the middle of a workout, but he also, but he will also just be lounging in a pool on vacation and won't even bother getting out and just peeing right in the pool. And we'll just pee right in the pool. Sorry, struggling through it. I have never peed in a pool. And until this year, it didn't occur to me that anyone other than babies were peeing in pools. Is this normal? I know there are chemicals, but ugh, it makes me never want to swim again. Am I in the minority here? Man, I'm really going to expose myself, but I'm just going to tell the truth. I occasionally would be in a pool. Okay. Occasionally. I wouldn't make a habit out of it. I would maybe do it. I would say I would do it once every three years. I would say once every three years. So if we go swimming together... You never know. Maybe that's the time. But I just think that it's kind of like picking your nose. Like people who say they've never done it or wouldn't ever do it or could never do it are they're just lying. I'm sorry. Maybe you're not. Maybe you really haven't ever. But I just feel like there's always a time that it's not an option to get out and that you pee in the pool or maybe it's on accident. And all of you who are like acting grossed out, I want you to take a good long look in the mirror. And tell me that you have never, ever, ever peed in a pool, ever, because you're lying, okay? She says, Judge Maddie, two weeks before my wedding, I was confronted by my brother-in-law's wife. So my sister-in-law, wait, my sister-in-law in-law, I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, she was mad I hadn't made her a bridesmaid in my wedding because her husband, my fiancé's brother, was a groomsman. I hadn't even considered it because we didn't really know each other and she was just my fiancé's sister-in-law, not blood sister. This was the second time we had met in person and we were alone with my soon-to-be mother-in-law on a girl's trip before the wedding. I've been married for a year and I still wonder if I did something wrong. I was so hurt and embarrassed to be confronted like that, especially when I didn't have the chance to change anything. And when I was still trying to fit in with the family, I apologized, explained why I hadn't asked her, then ran to the bathroom to cry. I still get nervous seeing her at family get togethers. Is having your in-laws in your wedding party normal protocol? Okay. Here's what I would think. If you're not, I mean, you should definitely include your in-laws in some capacity, like either have them wear a certain color or maybe even just do like an activity with them before. Like, I feel like that would be fine. Like take your sisters-in-law out to dinner or something, just make them feel included. I think that all of my sisters-in-law, I, I, I don't know if I would have considered them bridesmaids, but they were like in the wedding party. Like they had the colors and the information and they were in coordinated pictures and things like that. And then my only bridesmaids were three friends. I also come from a big family. Matt comes from a big family. We had a ton of in-laws. If I just had like one sister-in-law, I probably would have had her be a bridesmaid. That's maybe traditional, but also I believe that it's your wedding and you should do whatever you want. But I would probably argue that in-laws should be included in the bridal party in some capacity. Honestly, just to mitigate the possibility of a fight. I mean, just tell her to wear a pink dress and just, and just make it seem like that's part of the wedding. I don't know. I just, I would avoid the conflict with my life. So I'm so sorry. Being confronted on things like that. Like, could you just text me? Like, could you just shoot me an email? Like, don't confront me in person. Okay. Next up. She says, my boyfriend and I argue all winter about the best way to use heat in a car. When he starts his car, he blasts the heat even though it's still cold air, claiming that is the that it is the only way to get it to warm up. When I start the car, I don't turn it on for about 10 minutes. I'm sorry, I am not with you on this one. I would rather blast it and like get it going. I feel like if you just leave it, you're going to have to turn it on and have 10 minutes of cold air anyways. Oh my gosh, I just had a just had a flash of what it's like to get into a cold car and I got butterflies. Okay, next up. She says, "Dear Judge Maddie, What's the right way to say this? I'm going to poop on your toilet or I'm going to poop in your toilet? I think either sounds correct. What? Hold on. Hold on. If somebody came up to me and said, "I'm going to poop on your toilet?" That is so wildly incorrect. I'm going to go poop on your toilet. I guess okay, wait. Now that now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds a little bit more normal like sitting on the toilet. If you're going to say you're pooping, you have to say in. <laughs> Don't ever say on. If somebody told me that they were going to do that, I would evict them. Okay, this next one is another one I feel very passionately about. They say, Judge Maddie, restaurants where you cook your own meat are the worst. Why on earth would I pay top dollar to cook myself dinner? Half of the joy of going out is that you don't have to cook. It honestly feels scammy. Skip the cook your own meat restaurants, just stay home. I completely agree. I understand that sometimes it's part of the experience but I don't want to do it. And on top of that, these are always the most expensive restaurants. You know, I'm going to go back to my hate list for this week because Outer Banks was my number three. But you know what? I'm revising that and I'm putting the melting pot as my number three. I would argue it's the worst restaurant in America. Every time I've been there, I am mystified. They give you like one ounce of meat and like a lukewarm grill. And you're like, sweet, I paid $85 for this. All right. And the one we're going to end on talks about buttholes because you know I love that topic. All right. She says, maybe this is TMI, but if I can't ask this here, I genuinely cannot think of another platform that will settle this argument. My sister and I were both pregnant at the same time, and she was complaining about not being able to shave her butthole area because she couldn't squat down. I told her, you don't need to squat down. You just spread your cheeks with one hand and shave with the other. She insists that is absolutely wrong. We have now been arguing about this for 1.5 years. Who's right? Squat or spread? Oh, I'm going to do a poll on this, and then I'll know if you listen to the episode because it'll be like squat versus spread. But here's what you do. You put your foot up on the side of the bath. Okay? That's the key. That's what I learned. And it has never steered me wrong. It also feels like something you could probably do while pregnant, like putting your foot up on the edge of the bath and just doing a swipe, a a one-two swipe with the razor. That's how I learned. That's how I will continue to preach it. If this doesn't apply to you and you don't enjoy doing that, uh, that's great too. But if you are participating in that, that is the easiest way to do it. I think that is a wonderful place to finish up here. Love talking about Outer Banks and buttholes in the same episode. It's just, it's what I live to do. So thank you guys for being here. I love you all so much. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and post on social media. That helps so, so, so much. I will talk to you guys next week. Be safe, be kind, be hot. Bye.